With that, um, my name is Darren Gleghorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Cowboy Church, and we just appreciate you all coming to this special service. It is a, it is an honor to have Richard and Sandy in the in the building, and man, it's, it was good this morning. It was great this morning. I don't want to downplay that, but uh, anyways, I'm looking forward to what you got going on tonight. So with that, I'm just going to open this up in prayer, and then I'm going to get them up here and let them do their thing. All right. Oh, Father God, thank you so much for this night. God, we thank you and praise you that your spirit, we welcome you, Holy Spirit. We welcome you in this place. We thank you. Fire of God, come. Holy Spirit, come. And just just bring um, bring your presence, bring your peace into this place. And God, I thank you that as, uh, as Richard and Sandy come up tonight, I, I just thank you that you'd, your anointing would rest upon them. And that God, that you would give them the, the words, the songs, the melodies, God, whatever they need uh, from you, give it to them to, uh, in order to touch our hearts. Father, I thank you and I praise you for what you're going to do in this place tonight. I thank you for the updates, God. I thank you for the updates on your people, on your, on your place. And that God, that, uh, we can be all in unity together saying, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for Israel. God, we thank you for, for what's going on. Um, the, your spirit and the miracle signs and wonders that are taking place to, to come against what the enemy is trying to bring against Israel. We praise you. We thank you for what you've got in our, in store for us tonight. And, uh, we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right. Without further ado, come on up. Richard and Sandy Frieden. Thank you. Thank you. For us, it's a huge privilege to be here again. And uh, thank you for your interest. Thank you for your heart and concern uh, for us, for the people of Israel, uh, really for such a time as this. It's, it's an honor to be here and share with you our hearts uh, and our thoughts. Uh, just to let you know, we're madly in love with one another. <laughs> and... Uh, we, even though we look a, a, a little bit over 30 years old, we're, we're happily newlyweds. And that could, you know, that could go into a whole new thing. But I think when we think about the love of God, we think about the redemption of God, we think about the restoration that God does in and through our lives, we can, uh, with much humility, just stand before each and every one of you and stand before the Lord and 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 say how grateful we are for his goodness that we that he and his providence brought us together to do life together in Yeshua in Jesus for the rest of the days of our life and uh, and so we're really grateful that we can be here. Uh, I wanted to um, just open with a with a with a scripture. And uh, given that we are living in, in, a, in a world that is, uh, you know, where there's a lot of shakings, uh, not just in Israel, but uh, I think as Pastor Darren said so uh, uh, wonderfully this morning was uh, what happens in Israel, it's always kind of God's uh, timepiece, Israel. And what often happens there, uh, you see ripples of that and what's going on in the world and and I think especially within the house of God. And so um, Jesus said, Peace I, le- I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give you as the world gives you. 
Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. So if we were in the time of Jesus uh, 2,000 years ago, uh, then Jesus would often greet his friends and, and he would ask, Ma Shlomcha. Can we all say that? Ma Shlomcha. So the second word is your peace. And the first word is what or how is your peace? It's a greeting. Hey, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. How are you really? How is your peace? Mashlomcha. Because the peace that you have is what I give you, and that is complete. And, but he would still say, how are you? How is your peace? Mashlomcha. And then he said, I'm going to give this to you. And so that's what we have to take for the, for the rest of our, our, our lives. And we live in a crisis world and, I could be bold enough to say that uh, we live in a, in a, in a you know, very crisis situation in, in Israel. And with every crisis, there, there comes a great opportunity to be about the kingdom of God, to, be, to do something for somebody. And I can tell you that uh, this house has not just done something for somebody, but this house has done because of their enormous... Your enormous generosity, you're doing something very vital uh, uh, in a very critical day for many people. Soldiers, families, teenagers, it is really something quite um, uh, amazing. And I guess why shouldn't it be? Because... You all serve an amazing God that loves you so very much as we do. And, and so our heart's intention this evening is just to get around as the people of God and uh, consider how we can be in solidarity and prayer for Israel and as the body of Messiah to be in solidarity and prayer for this house. We're all in this together. And... Um, and, and we love the Northern Colorado Cowboy Church. Right. Such a precious people, body of Messiah. So I'm going to ask Sandy, my beloved, who um, learned the Israeli national anthem in like three and a half days. And um, that's pretty incredible, I think. And... After she does it, and, I, and, and you know, we also we were also struck. I mean, I've seen it before because I've been here before. But just to have the American flag standing next to the Israeli flag speaks volumes of uh, who we are as the body of Christ, who you are as the body of Christ, and who we are as the body of Christ together. And also the unique alliance that Israel and the United States has. And I think the basis of the core of that is our common Judeo-Christian values. Without a doubt. And uh, so, Sandy. Um, I just first want to share a little yeah. bit, something that's on my heart. And that is that Richard and I would not be here right now if it hadn't been. There was, a, there was an event that I was asked to sing at. We were supposed to be in Israel when the rockets started flying. Yeah. And we can only believe that God wanted us here, you know. And we had a flight out on the 3rd. And then we were asked... You know, I was asked to sing at this event, and I, and we looked at each other, and we just said, what's a few days? You know, we were going to stay for a while, 
and what's a few days. And so um, I don't think we're here by accident. I don't right. think we're just here out of convenience. Mm-hmm. I think the Lord has appointed us to be here to share with you about, I mean, even right now, my watch just went off, rockets are flying in Israel. Mm-hmm. There is destruction, but there is mm-hmm. also a uh, vict- sure victory. We know sure. that already. We know the end of this. But right. I just wanted to just make it real, yeah. you know, because it really is real. We would be there. We would have been there. Richard has two children who were there, um, and the Lord has literally just moved mountains. Uh, um, his son, Roe, had been in um, what, two, two kilometers from the um, northern uh, border of Israel, right, where Lebanon is. He and they served rockets, there, and he went to school yeah. there for four years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rockets started flying, and they were evacuating and um, because they, he didn't make the first ring, he wasn't evacuated first. But then all of a sudden, it became a crisis. He had to be evacuated. And the Lord, within an hour and 40 minutes, it involved a lot of putting together little pieces. He was in Tel Aviv in safety. Um, Which was not so safe at the time. Yeah. Because they were striking yeah. the uh, Tel Aviv and central region of Dan. Yeah. yeah. But there was there's just so many pieces and so... Yeah. So many, um, you know, parts that the Lord Incredible. put together to give us peace to even be here, you know. And and Richard, the morning of, you know, he he's getting texted from his commander, "Where are you?" And, and all these different, you know, people say, you know, just saying, "What's going on? What you, where are you? What is, what's going on?" And right. so, um, literally, he's just like, "Oh," you know. And um, it was interesting because my daughter was visiting with her husband. And he was literally just taken out of reality and into this place of, oh, my goodness, Israel, my home, you know, my love. Yeah. And uh, so yeah, it was it was like it's perhaps the most traumatic event that we've ever seen in in, in modern Israel. Without it's, a doubt. it's kind of like what it would have been like during the 1948 war and the mm-hmm. 1973 war. Yeah. Uh, this is really quite um, uh, uh, dramatic and traumatic. And mm-hmm. when I got texts from my friends in Israel, my commander, it was like my heart was ripped. Then God just brought me into his own, and I had to navigate that, uh, taking all things in consideration, and really at the end of the day coming to two conclusions. One, I'm a newlywed. <laughs> And this is priority for for our lives. And number two, we probably have more to do and maybe can be of better help in terms of rallying support and especially intercession and prayer for Israel. Uh, it is a unique time, and it's fluid, it's unfolding, and Israel is going to prevail. That's right. Amen. So we're going to honor Israel by singing the national anthem. So you can stand up if you want. You don't have to, but if you want to, to, you can. Let's see. 
as the Jewish spirit is yearning deep within the heart with eyes toward the east looking toward Zion then our hope the hope that is 2,000 years old will not be lost to be a free people in our land the land of Zion and Jerusalem amazing that we can be standing here in freedom in a free democratic society I'm so blessed to have been born in this country and blessed to have had the privilege to move to another country to move to Israel and to hold dual citizenship that's a very special unique blessing uh, and, and it's an outworking of a very special alliance mm-hmm. that, that we have together. Um, uh, how great is thy God? Mm-hmm. You can, please be seated. Please be seated. How great is thy God? We're going to share a, a, a little thought about um, uh, the greatness of, of God's love for us. When a young man proposes marriage, to a young woman. He does that in a special place, and it's the woman he loves. But it's that uniqueness of this place that illustrates that love. Near the close of a Jewish marriage, and Sandy and I had a both a Jewish and Messianic Christian, however you want to call it, the, 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 the marriage of under the canopy of God, and uh, and it was something it was something quite special. Uh, under the ceremony, during the ceremony, the groom reminds everybody, all the witnesses, of God's unrelenting love for Jerusalem, and uh, as a metaphor, the the groom's uh, love for his bride, for his wife, and so this is what he does. This is what he says to um, um, uh, broadcast that message to everybody that's witnessing, witnessing the, the marriage. And this is what I said. If I forget the old Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. So it has to be done, whether you're living in America or England or South Africa. If it's a Jewish wedding, you better be able to say that in Hebrew without reading it. You know, and on and on and on. So you have to say it in Hebrew and in front of everybody. If you mess up, you're in big trouble. <laughs> And so this, and it's interesting because we think about it, why would it, the audacity of, of the groom to say this? Well, wait a second. You know, he says, if I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. Well, what about the wife? Uh, I thought I was your chief joy and you are to make me happy. You know, so 
why is this included in a Jewish marriage ceremony? I must keep Jerusalem my above everything. That's my chief joy. It's really saying that I keep God central to who I am as a man and a husband. I keep God, his purposes, his love for Jerusalem, the apple of his eye, uh, his love for Jerusalem, his very name attached to the city of Jerusalem. Unlike any other city on planet earth, God's name is attached to Jerusalem. And so I think this is one reason why we must keep the main thing the main thing. This is where we see the blessedness in our marriage. When we keep God first, he's our joy, he's our strength, he's our focus, then the outworking of that is going to be we're going to be happy together because I'm going to want to make her happy. I think uh, it reminds us of Jesus' unrelenting love, his unconditional and sacrificial love for you and I, for his bride, when he said on the cross, Tam Vinishlam, it is finished, complete and paid for. That's the, the literal translation. It's not just that it, he said it's finished. In the Hebrew, it says Tam Vinishlam, it's Finished, complete, same word in this respect, venishlam, and paid for. And that same word, we find uh, uh, the, the root uh, letters or vowels for shalom. Shalom means peace, it means hello, it means goodbye. Shalom means com- complete. Shulam means it's paid for. Nishla means it's paid for and it's whole. So in that peace, we're whole. In that peace, we're whole. We have that peace uh, forever. That's really about the goodness of God. And uh, it reminds us of how loved we are by the Lord. That he finished the work of his father willingly. And paid for what we receive as a free gift, and that's redemption. If we would only say, I want you above my chief joy. Mm-hmm. Some of the conversation that Sandy and I had at the, at, when we met each other. Mm-hmm. And though I knew for sure that this was God, without a doubt, I love this woman. I, I just, the first time I saw her, I loved her. I knew that, uh, that, that she, she, she's, she's my best friend. She's, <laughs> She's the woman that I've been, you know, waiting for all my life. And, and, and such, for such a time as this, it happened. And, um, and I just knew that it was complete. And, um, uh, and wherever I went on that thought was just to say I love her very much. And I see how um, God's love for us is so... Um, Overwhelming, in a, in a very positive way, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So how good is our God? That's right. um, really, Richard, yeah, throughout this whole you know. thing, it's just been the goodness of God that sustained us, really. You know, it's been, um, I mean, every day. 
Every day. Every day. Like through the night praying, interceding for Israel, knowing people who, um, you know, are, 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 have been killed, knowing of soldiers who were fallen. Who um, couldn't sleep. And just, you couldn't sleep. So we just you know, prayed. I just said, well, you know what? If I'm going to be up, I'm going to be on my knees. I'm going to be praying. And um, so through it all, though, even in the midst, and this really can translate to our lives and has, we both walked through this fire, you know, right. of, um, you know, divorce and having your spouse leave you and the whole thing. So, you know, this was a song that sustained me through all of that. But you know what? It's any situation, isn't it? And, any difficult situation. And that's situation. the heart of it. The core of it is our relationship with Yeshua, mm-hmm. with our relationship with God, the, our King, our Messiah, our mm-hmm. Savior. And one of the first conversations we had was, if you get in the way with my relationship with God, right. we might as well not even have a first date. Yeah. True story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I could be, I, I could be during the night, all of a sudden, uh, Sandy will put her hand on my shoulder. And, you know, at first I would say, well, she's waking me up. There must be, I wonder what, but, but really, I think it was, I think it was the first night that that happened. We just, you just touched, you know, my hand on my shoulder and she's praying for me. She's literally praying for me, like the whole night. And uh, that's something special, and it's something that um, if we're not doing it already, you know something? I was doing the same thing, you know, and I do. You know, just put my hand on her and just saying, Lord, I know she needs prayer. So, (laughs) 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 And then she would say, Richard, I know you're thinking something. You're thinking I need prayer. <laughs> no, it's really it's really something that's mutual. Nice. It's really something that's mutual mm-hmm. that we. In fact, it's good to know that your spouse needs prayer. It's actually a good thing. She knows mm-hmm. when I need prayer, and and even and and even sometimes even when I don't know. You know that that's that's a woman of value. You know, and I think we men can be the same. We can also recognize that the more we are willing to be men in marriage, the more we can support, enrich, empower, and enjoy our marriage life. Goodness of God. Goodness of God. I know you probably all know this song. We don't have lyrics tonight, but if you just love this Feel free, you can stand, sit.
illnesses, states of pain, injury, disappointment. And, uh, we don't have to champion that. We, right. we can remind ourselves uh, mm-hmm. the goodness of God. Right. Goodness of God. We pray the goodness of God over Northern Colorado yes. Cowboy Church. Mm-hmm. We thank you for their heritage. We thank you for their stand. We thank you for their love of, of Jesus, the love of the Word of God, mm-hmm. of family, mm-hmm. of life together as a community. We pray that you would prosper that mm-hmm. as the palm tree grows, that you would prosper that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I say the palm tree because during the archaeological excavations on Masada, they found... Amongst many other artifacts, they found uh, seeds from olive trees that are 2,000 years old. And they planted one of them, a professor from one of the kibbutzim in the south, one of the farming communities in the south of of Israel, planted the tree, and, and it grew. And it's, it's really amazing because... It, uh, we know that the, the proteins in the, in, the, in the sustenance of life are found within the seed. They planted it, pour, poured water on it, and it grew. It's called the Methuselah tree. Uh, Methuselah was the, one of the oldest uh, characters in the Bible. And so, uh, you know, it's just amazing to, to be a community where the, where the Word of God is, you know, preached and lived out, and we flourish like the palm tree because we draw our sustenance from the DNA of life, which is the Word of God. It's really our personal conviction that, uh, obviously, I think, I think it's obvious, and I think for all of us, that the nation and people of Israel, uh, beginning with the call of Abraham and throughout all the this long highway of uh, biblical covenants and promises to Abraham and his descendants forever, is true. It's true, it's everlasting, and we're happy it is. You know, we, we, we thank God for his covenantal promises towards us, towards Israel, forever. And so Israel is. We're facing one of our most tragic moments in modern history. And um, I'll quote what I quoted this morning. What the enemy planned for evil will be turned around to good, to the benefit of every, for the salvation and redemption of many. We're already hearing reports, and I think you are too, from friends in Israel and ministries in Israel, and even those that are working in the Gaza Strip with Palestinians. There are Jewish people and there are Arab people that are really from, not only from workers in the field, but also supernaturally receiving visions and dreams and having conversations with other believers. In fact, there's over 200 uh, believers that are serving in the IDF. And you can imagine the kind of impact they have with their, you know, uh, fellow brothers in arms. Just by, just by standing there and praying, just by standing and praying and being attentive to what they're doing as soldiers, is, is quite a, a testimony. We can imagine the kind of moments that they're having inside tanks or walking and, and communicating with each other in, uh, in uh, bunkers and in uh, you know, outposts in the north and in the south and also in the areas of Judea and Samaria. 
God is going to turn this out for good because we, we, we know that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is a good God. And he's a promise keeper for each and every one of us and for Israel in this very hour. Uh, David Ben-Gurion, uh, which was our first prime minister, the first prime minister in Israel, said in one of his amazing quotes, and it's always worth going to see some of Israel's former prime ministers and, and defense ministers and foreign ministers, just to see some of their quotes. So he said in the early days, and he knew this so well, in Israel, now we're talking about what would you, what you would say seemingly non-religious Jewish person. Okay? Uh, kibbutznik, uh, all he ever wanted to do was farm and live on a kibbutz. You know, uh, they, but, you know, he was thrown into uh, leadership. That's who he was. That's how he was wired. And ended up being the, the, the prime minister of Israel. And he said, in Israel, in order to be a realist, you must believe in miracles. You know, in this morning's message, we're talking about, you know, how we respond to things, if we choose life. It could be a trigger to a miracle. Every, everything we do as believers, we can actually be triggers to miracles. And not just for our own miracle. A miracle for someone else. We can be a trigger for someone else's miracle. And so Ben-Gurion knew very well when he announced, when he proclaimed the, the, the uh, state of Israel as a sovereign Jewish democratic state uh, in, on May 5th, 1948, he knew what was ahead of us. And that would be war. And that would be loss of life. So in order to believe, to, be, to live in Israel, you must be a realist, and you must believe, and if you must be a realist, and you must believe in miracles. So that was this God-appointed leader who knew what kind of depth of responsibility is for those who have promises on their life and chosenness. Do we know that Israel is chosen, the Jewish people are chosen? And I can assure, does anybody see Fiddler on the Roof? Well... Rev Tevya, you know, so he's, you know, walking around and he's sort of, you know, fed up with persecutions and pogroms and, and things like that. And believe me, when I was a kid, I experienced a lot of anti-Semitism and in some respects never really had any reason to pursue and seek uh, the Lord, Jesus, except God intervened in my life and changed my 12-and-a-half-year-old paradigm, and it's all I wanted to do, was find Jesus, the king of the Jews. But Rev Tevye is so beside himself, he is just fed up. And, you know, he said, God, would you choose somebody else? Is there anybody else you can choose? Why do we have to be the chosen people? Choose somebody else. You know, and I think Ben-Gurion and so many other leaders that followed and, and anybody in leadership and anybody who loves the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, and might, any believer who, who in, in Jesus knows that they're a chosen people, a royal priesthood. We are. Then there's, great, there's a great depth of responsibility when, it, when, when there's chosenness and when there's promise upon our lives. 
God brought us to the land of Israel. He brought us back from the four corners of the earth to a very small piece of property. And he said it was, and he didn't say it was going to be easy. In fact, it's never been devoid of challenge, never been devoid of conflict. And yet this tiny nation is, is a leader nation in so many areas of life and shines her life because she's meant to be according to the prophet Isaiah, to be a beacon of light and blessing to the nations. So when I was uh, 12, 13 years old, um, preparing for bar mitzvah at 12 and a half years old, I find out that um, Jesus from Nazareth, Nazareth is the king of the Jews, and that, of course, set me on a parallel journey. I'm a, I'm a Jewish kid growing up and dealing with anti-Semitism. And at the same time, where is Jesus? What is Jesus? How is Jesus? When is Jesus? Why is Jesus? Who, what, when, where, why, and how? That's, those, that's what I pursued. I, I, needed to, I needed to. I was desperate. All my life, from 12 and a half to the time that I'm 23 years old, to find out who Jesus is. At Bar Mitzvah, one of the, the, uh, the prophetic portion of my Bar Mitzvah, and that's the rite of passage in Judaism, you go up to the pulpit for the first time and you share from the word of God. And the first portion was from Leviticus, which says, treat the stranger in the land with dignity because you yourselves were strangers in a foreign land, i.e. meaning we were in Egyptian bondage for about 420 years. So it, it, it uh, really has to do with treat the stranger in the land uh, with dignity. That, needless to say, is uh, not necessarily about ethnicities. It's about who doesn't, who's not a citizen in your land, or who's your neighbor. Even you know, you could be a stranger. Your neighbor can be your stranger. Okay, in the literal form, we're talking about strangers, those who sojourn in your land, but also the stranger of who you don't know. In some respects. In some of the areas that I hung out in in Israel during COVID, we only really got to know those people. Isn't that amazing? That it kind of triggered something that, wow, we don't have to be so self-centered. You know, we can treat that just by saying hi to someone in the morning is treating the stranger with dignity. So... So it says, I read, that was my Leviticus portion. That was the portion from the law of Moses. The prophetic portion was this, from Amos 9, 11 through 15, which speaks about the restoration in Israel. And in verse of Israel, in verse 15 of chapter 9, it says, I will plant Israel on their land, and they shall never again be uprooted out of the land that I had given to them. And so God spoke his word, and Israel, of course, returned. God brought us back from the four corners of the, of the earth, and we are where we are today, uh, a, a thriving nation, uh, and nothing at all devoid of, uh, of challenge. Uh, I think in the 41 years of living in Israel, I don't know uh, a year that we didn't have some kind of serious challenge, be it political or uh, conflicts, uh, you know, uh, that uh, seem to always take place 
the uh, enemy is always trying to thwart the plans of, of God, which is uh, a God who loves Israel and wants to see uh, a blessed Israel, wants to see the full and final redemption of Israel. We've returned to the land. That's, that's physical restoration. That's physical uh, uh, redemption to the land. And, there, and, 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 and I can tell you uh, that people do believe in God in Israel. Not everybody. But there are so many hearts and minds and bright minds and, 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 and earnest hearts that know that there is something greater than themselves. And, and, and that's a good question for so many of us to ask. I remember, uh, you know, I, I've served in the military, I've served in the police, you know, I've served in some good units. And, but I had a friend who was a, uh, captain in the U.S. Navy SEALs. He's retired. He has, uh, uh, a lot of men that are working with him, uh, that served with him and, and served in other places from Texas, actually. And, and I said, you know, Clint, um, what is it? Because he said oh, that guy was in this and that guy was in that, and he just got saved two weeks ago. That guy saved, you know, he came to the Lord, you know, wonderfully, you know, a month ago. And I said, I'd like to ask you a question. What is it with these guys who are the best of the best? What is it that triggers that moment that they just bow before God? They, 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 they go to their knees before God. He goes, when they realize that something is greater than they are. They're the best at what they do. And when they recognize that it was God that created them and gave them that huge potential, and they worked that potential and became who they became, and they're in contact with brothers who, who you know, their commander, who's following Jesus, well, at some point, that something happens, as we know, in a human heart, and we just bow before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so I'd like to share something that um, gives us, in about one minute and 32 seconds, 4,000 years of uh, history, uh, because if I do it, we'll be here forever. So, and that's true. That is true. And I don't want to do that to you. That's right. Not at this hour. Okay, let's do it. So it's the so it's the Israel, the historic Israel. So, so if you can't see that, three thousand years ago, an indigenous people, the Hebrews, developed a thriving civilization. Over the time, they were conquered by a series of aggressive foreign empires. While some of the people stayed in their cities and communities, most of them gradually scattered across Europe and the Middle East. They were exiled. Although they flourished at a time for 1,900 years and the longest and cruelest of exiles that any people group could have ever experienced, suffering the persecution, expulsions, pogroms, and violence, barely survived the Holocaust. This is at that season. They overcame. You can see them standing with a flag. And this uh, non-religious Jewish man, Theodor Herzl, started a movement. He saw the writing on the wall because he was covering, he was a journalist and a writer and, a, and, a, and, a, and also studied law. And he saw the writing on the, wall, on the wall and he started writing the bare bones of the vision for, for us to return to uh, the homeland of our forefathers. And we became what we had to become, the story of resilience and hope. 
Israel's story really is proof that if you will it, if you dream it, if you pray for it, if you believe for it, anything is possible for those of us who really do love God. Now, I'm not sure if we always knew that God loved us because we had to go through the crewless uh, video. Uh, and that's a very good source, source, by the way, stand with us, and they gave me the permission to, to use this. So, uh, you know, just to um, where I want to reemphasize the, the fact that we're all in this together. We're all a family. Families are diverse, but we're, we're, you, we are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We've come into the family of God. Paul speaks about this all the time in Romans. You know, as, as non-Jewish uh, people grafted in, as Jewish people, I was a wild person that got all messed up. Even though I was brought up in the synagogue and I was bar mitzvahed, always believed in God. But where is he? You know, I mentioned something this morning that those cold steel bars will come off of you when we find ourselves in a place of bondage. That was a, a par- portion of a quote that I wrote in my journal. I wasn't a believer, but I had a journal. I was in Boston at the time. And I said, who holds the key that unlocks those cold steel bars that imprison my soul? Like I was saying, what in the world is wrong with me? Why do I feel the way? Why do I want God so much? And why am I not satisfied? Because I don't know him. I just don't know him. And I want to know him. Where is he? You know, and I was searching for Jesus. Because I was told that Jesus from Nazareth is the king of the Jews. Well, if he's the king of the Jews, and he's the king of the universe, and he's the king of all creation, I want to know him. And so... It's a biblical fact that, that, that we saw and read. The bondage, for Egypt, the wanderings in the wilderness. He's forming us. We become a people. We're not perfect. The first entire generation doesn't go into the promised land, but they were formed. We, we learned so much of a 40-year journey. We learn about Kadesh Barnea. We learn about spies that are sent. We learn about the encampments of the, of the people of Israel. They weren't entirely lost. They weren't lost. They were wandering for 40 years, but they weren't lost. There were, there were actually proper encampments. And in each encampment, there's yet another story that we read about and learn about that enriches our lives because for the good or the bad, okay? If it enriches our lives, it's the good that we can draw from those stories, even if they're not the most pleasant of stories where we, you know, kind of get messed up. But we, we come into the land. We have the patriarchs, of course. We, come, we have the matriarchs. We, 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 we come into land, and we have judges. We have judges. We have prophets. We have kings. We have priests. We have prophetesses. And we have Messiah, the one that we were waiting for. The one whom I was waiting for reveals himself to me on a kibbutz in the northwestern Galilee. It's incredible. You know, I'm reading a chapter in the Bible and all of a sudden, 
bang. It's just, it's like a light went off. It was very sovereign. I mean, you know, but it was like a light went off. It was like the intellectual pursuit, the challenges that, that we often have as, as Jewish people. With all the historic backdrop that wasn't pleasant, all of a sudden, we got, we got, all of a sudden it's like, it's the way, the truth, and the life. It's like all of a sudden, in a, in a moment of time, in a moment of eternity, I said, I know that I know that I know that something happened. And I ran to the phone and called up my sister and I said, that which what you were talking about to me, because she was came to the Lord a year before I did. I get it. It just all came together. It's like It was like, I know that I believe. I confess that I believe. And then a month later, I went into the waters of of immersion, baptism, off the coast of Netanya in the Mediterranean Sea. Maybe that's why I don't like super salty food, <laughs> even, even though it's good to have salt and to be salty. <laughs> I think the beauty of, of the Messiah, I think the beauty of it is, is this, is that, 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 that the walls of enmity fall between, you know, where there's neither uh, Jew or Greek. And uh, I, I know that I experience, is all I can say is that I know that to be true in our relationship, that we've come that, become that one new man in Christ. Do you want to say something about that? you want to say anything about that? No. That's interesting. If I start, if I, I know, right? That's interesting. I have nothing to say. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's just funny. You know, I, I had read Romans 11 so many times. And, you know, how you do when, when you start going, ah, I'm reading the New King James Version. Like, yeah, all right. Which well. I don't understand. Yeah. And, and neither did I I'm really. Joking. I'm joking. But, you know. No, so... You know, it's just one of those things where um, it is. It's that situation where the two become one, but it's even more than that. It's that, you know, where the image of the Jew hmm. and, the, and the Gentile coming together, right? And yeah. um, just it's the picture of how God intended the church. We are one, you know? I think it's and, a picture uh, of unity, too. Yeah, it's a picture know, of unity. Like, that's always something that's yeah. been on my heart in the church. We, you talked about that this morning, too. Um, but, right. yeah, I mean, it's yeah. just, yeah. And unity lies the power. Isn't that right? And, and that's right. what we're finding. Um, I, I was talking about this earlier, but, you know, and we have both have previous marriages, and we were both the spiritual leaders in the family, and so that it was kind of an imbalanced thing, but now it's, it's yeah, we, it literally is that with your spouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. with my family, right? And thankfully, and was, my children right. follow the Lord, and you know, that's all great. Right. And, and I think, uh, and I think family. I was more of the. I know that I was the leader of the family and the spiritual leader of this family, but I think that there's a place to hit where there's. Uh, it's also good to find. Uh, I think when we're doing it together, I think there's clear lines and all of that, and there's leader, and you know, there's you know, all of that. But I think, I think when when when, we're, when one is committed to uh, that, that that Christ is our centrality, and that and that no, no matter you know if we have to call each other out on stuff, it is in Christ, and it is, and it, it's not about um, uh, being triggered. 
because uh, I think in, 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 uh, you know, I, I don't promote divorce, God forbid, but I, but I know that God has given us a, a second chance. And I think when, when either of us find ourselves, uh, being, um, affected by residue, or like there's a trigger, then we're brave enough and love enough, uh, to actually stop each other and even question, do you think that's, instead, you know, Sandy, is that, Residue? Is it residue <laughs> creeping up again? You know, rather than doing that, it's really, it's like, I think through, I through, I think through even marriage counseling in the past and stuff like that, you take some of those things and you say, what is a better way to ask a question? Yeah. You know, or, or, or things like that. Or it, it, it'd be the same thing. You know, she'll call me out on something and, and I have to look very carefully of, how I'm going to respond. Because if she's calling me out on something, I know she loves me so much that she wants to see me do better in that particular, you know, area of life. Uh, for us, you know, and, and for others, you know, for, you know, if I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to be a jerk all the time, then it's not going to be of any good to anybody. <laughs> He's not a jerk. <laughs> He's just, that's the self-deprecation thing. I still have to get used to it. It's it's dry humor. <laughs> they call it dry humor. <laughs> so, um, you know, so it's in, in Israel today, and we're going to get to some of the crisis points, but in Israel today, I, I just wanted to mention that, because I'm not sure, sure how much it's mentioned, but we're not a political accident. We're by no means a political accident on, on anybody's global platform or global stage. Uh, Zionism is not a dirty word as well. There are people, groups that want to make that a dirty word. In fact, it was voted in the United Nations that it is equated to um, uh, uh, evil or, or, or anti-Arab or anti-even Semitic in a way, mm-hmm. you know, which is it's, 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 it's unheard of. Mm-hmm. It's unheard of. That was, of course, changed in the United Nations. Uh, Zionism actually, uh, it, it, the, the, the definition of Zionism is that, that we believe that, uh, uh, of, uh, that the, of the return of, of the people of Israel to the land of their ancient forefathers. Mm-hmm. And to establish that nation in a modern reality. That's really it in a, not, in a nutshell. Uh, to return to the land, to build the land for, uh, for, 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 for future generations. Zion is associated with the land of Israel, with Jerusalem, with all of Israel. Well, do we call Zion Jerusalem? Yes. Do we call Zion Israel? Yes. Eretz Zion Yerushalayim in the national anthem, the land of Israel and Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so it's not a dirty word. Rather, it's a promise and it's a dream and a prayer fulfilled. So Israel was not born to die. Israel was born to live. God established us to live and to live and walk in his ways. And I know that that's not a reality in every area of uh, Israeli society. But you know something? She's a great nation. She really is. There is there's not uh, one public building 
where you see the removal of, 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 of the public symbols that hold right. us together as a nation right. in America. Mm-hmm. You do not see the Ten Commandments removed mm-hmm. from, from uh, uh, courthouses right. in Israel. You don't see the, uh, um, the emblem of the state of Israel, the menorah, mm-hmm. that we see in Exodus 25, uh, because that reminds us of who we are. Mm-hmm. We don't see that removed. Every unit in the police ah. and every unit in the military have a scripture that right. undergirds their mission, mm-hmm. a scripture in the Bible. So it's very foundations. It's like, it's like you're saying without saying it, I believe that God is undergirding us mm-hmm. and I believe that God is overseeing us and we're not better than God. Mm-hmm. We need God. We need his word. We believe in his word. And if it wasn't true, we wouldn't have that in institutions, uh, centers of uh, education, courthouses, and in military units, and, and, and also in our intelligence organizations. There are scriptures that are attached to that, that uh, fine-tune the mission. So, you know, we know that Israel is the result of the outworking of his promises and that, you know, no matter we, we were stiff-necked or, or disobedient, he will neither leave us nor forsake us. And that's true for each of us today. Uh, he, his only desire is that we live in peace. And that's our desire as well. Mm-hmm. I think at every turning point in, on, on, on the timeline, we've reached out to our neighbors to live in peace and security. And if we have peace and security, then everybody... It's a gain for everybody. And I think for that reason, you have nations in the Arab world that actually want to be friends of Israel, and some are since mm-hmm. the Abrahamic Accords. Mm-hmm. So this great story of Israel, before I get into the, the, the horrors of today, didn't just start with anything. And we're not going to finish with nothing. We, we really are there to stay. God put us there. And we're, going, and we're going to say we'll persevere and live out our legacy and heritage and try to be as best as we can a blessing to the nations. And I think that we are in so many areas of life, uh, as is America. I think, I, I think the two best countries on planet Earth are America and Israel. Mm-hmm. And so uh, we've all inherited spiritual wealth from that Judeo-Christian heritage that we share together and the bonds of love and faith and community. And I think long ago, we've already, at least since 1948, we had to accept that that, that we have a, a divine destiny and a profound responsibility to steward that which God has given us. And I think it's true for our everyday life in America as well, without getting into politics and all that. Uh, but that, that that's true of us today as the body of Messiah that we have a great responsibility to steward what God gave us. So for the Lord's portion is his people and his inheritance. 44 days ago, and maybe we can put up the, um, the maybe the map of the Middle East first. And, uh, okay, we're not really going to be able to see that. So uh, maybe the other one that's more of the graphic. And if you can't see it, that's okay. Well, we see Israel today, and we see Israel... Uh, to the north is Lebanon, and on that, the, the, the blue portion to the north is our border with South Lebanon. And you can see Syria to our east. You can see the Golan Heights, which is now under the sovereignty of Israel, actually since 1980, and the first president of the United States who recognized that. 
was Donald Trump. Uh, he was the first president ever in the, in the, of the presidents of the United States to recognize that. He was also the first president. <laughs> with that, you know, it was like he was also the first president that transferred the embassy of Jerusalem of Israel, uh, the American embassy, to Jerusalem, and he did it with great wisdom because the building that was there in Jerusalem was there for many years, and it was like the perfect building. Mm-hmm. It really was. It was like, why spend so much money in building a new one when we can take what we have there, which was a logistics center, and turn it into an embassy? And then you have the gray area that's towards the east. It goes north, central part of Israel, and below Jerusalem. That's known popularly as the West Bank, uh, but it's actually uh, biblically known as the heartland of the Bible. Mm-hmm. To the north of Jerusalem is like from the tribe of Dan and, and onward Samaria. And to the south of Jerusalem, like Bethlehem and Hebron and the, and the southern Hebron uh, hills is uh, Judah. So Judea and Samaria. Okay, all of that. Um, and then down below to the, to the left, you see the small Gaza Strip, about 30, anywhere from about 25, 35 miles from uh, north to south and about, and it's maybe at its widest, about seven or eight miles wide. That's the Gaza Strip. Everything else you can see is Israel. Now, the West Bank, uh, I, I just want to make two points. One, the Gaza Strip was under the sovereignty of Egypt until 1967, and we didn't hear much about uh, the Palestinians uh, except for terror events that they were engaged in, because it was in the early 60s that Yasser Arafat uh, gathers a group of his uh, henchmen in, in Jerusalem, in occupied Jerusalem, occupied by the Jordanians, because they were allotted by the, the British uh, uh, a portion that was... Uh, known as, uh, uh, under their mandate, under the British mandate, they transferred these uh, lands of Judea and Samaria uh, uh, to Jordan, to the Hashemite kingdom, and they called it Transjordan. Okay, so it was not, uh, it, it, it wasn't deeded to them, it's not, it wasn't legally theirs, uh, it wasn't theirs by heritage as well. The land of Israel is is actually deeded by God, like a contract. Mm-hmm. It's actually a legal document. We have we have uh, uh, a covenant and a deed to the land of Israel, the people of Israel. And so, up until '67, those areas were under uh, Egyptian, and the the West Bank, as as it's politically known, is uh, uh, under under Jordan. So there was the Six-Day War. And by the way, again, you didn't hear much about the Palestinians. You didn't hear much about the Palestinian struggle. You didn't hear about Palestinians at all in, 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 in Gaza Strip, except for those of us who understood what was, what was, uh, what was transpiring in the Gaza Strip. Not much. There was, uh, there was no uh, real infrastructure in the Gaza Strip for Gazans, uh, who later are known as Palestinians. Uh, there, there's no great uh, Egyptian um, uh, vision to create a better Gaza Strip for uh, Gazans, or later known as Palestinians, uh, and, and that was it. They, they, they were just living there, and then you had uh, you had Arabs throughout Israel. Actually, we have Arab people that uh, are Arab citizens, Israeli citizens. 
Christian Arabs, Muslim Arabs, uh, non-religious uh, Arabs, Druze, Bedouin, some of whom serve in the in the Israeli ministry and some Israeli defense forces and security forces and some of the highest uh, places in in government, who are Arab. One of our superior court judges is an Arab Christian, and so. What happens as a result of the 67 wars that Israel expands her territory. We preempt in, 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 on Egypt and in Syria for reasons that will just, you know, that are, uh, you can read about. Uh, but we had a preempt because we didn't have secure borders, not in the, not in the, in the Egyptian, not in Egypt, not in the peninsula, a Sinai Peninsula. And in the north, we're having uh, ongoing acts of aggression from Syria and the, uh, also the tapping into uh, Israel's water sources, uh, and there was just simply no security. So we had to do what we did, and, and we did, and Israel uh, expands its size by three. We were able for the first time in 1900 years to reclaim Jerusalem in its entirety. The Jordanians made a mistake based on disinformation, uh, and they entered the war, and so uh, they lost everything that was uh, uh, west of the Jordan Rift Valley, the Jordan River in the, in the Jordan Rift Valley. And that would be Samaria and Judea and uh, all of Jerusalem. We had some of Jerusalem, but it was a divided city up until the Six-Day War. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, one other point I think is, is important to mention is, uh, in, in all due respect, who are the Palestinians? Yes, they're a people group. And yes, Arafat formed the PLO, and that was a Palestinian liberation organization that was to liberate what they called Palestine by, uh, through acts of terrorism throughout the world. In Israel and outside of Akili Laros, the downing of planes, the hijacking of planes, Munich, you name it, they were involved in it uh, as a terrorism, uh, shootings, assassinations, uh, to raise public awareness and to simply kill Jewish people. Again, this is not a very healthy way of trying to, you know, uh, uh, do peace. And the very fact is that they didn't want to do peace. Uh, so the, the Palestinian, uh, uh, what you heard was you heard about them as a liberation organization that were cruel and violent and too much. I've seen too much blood with my own eyes uh, in uh, terror attacks and things like that. Um, uh, that didn't work. Now, the Palestinians, so you have a modern-day reality that's known as the Palestinians. But where do they come from? Okay, the Palestinians were, there was never really a people group known as the Palestinians. You have the Philistines who were Canaanite. But you don't have a people group known as Palestinians. Felicia is Felicia, and that's Canaanite, pagan people group. There wasn't even a thought of, uh, of, of Islam then. Islam is only from uh, the 6th uh, century and 7th century is the development and spread of Islam, really. And so um, this is a people group that came, like many other peoples, that came through the land of Israel seeking work. And there happened to be a group of people that later on called themselves the Palestinians who were from the Asian, the Asian Sea. That's it. It's from the region. They're from the region. They're coming through. They set up shop and they're building, 
homes and villages, and many of them were fishermen and farmers. Later on, in a modern period, Yasser Arafat rises up and he says, well, this is our land. Okay? Uh, uh, I'm not saying that we haven't accepted that, that, of that reality. This is already uh, many years ago, following uh, the peace accord with uh, Jordan in, in 1995, we already have a fast track to what was known as the Oslo Accords of uh, Understanding between the Palestinians and the Israelis, where we recognize them as a people group and that maybe one day that they will have a, uh, a governance and a uh, autonomy over maybe certain areas in the land, which has proved to be nothing but uh, something that's boomeranged against us. It, it, this was established. They agreed to not engage in violence, and their name would be changed. The, uh, the National Authority, the Palestinian National Authority, Today, first, Yasser Arafat was the president, now it's the waning Abu Mazen. Uh, but the Palestinian, the name was uh, adopted, uh, likely because of a Roman Empire whose name was Hadrian. And Hadrian ruled in the 2nd century uh, A.D. Okay, 2nd century A.D., Hadrian is in power. Hadrian hates basically two people groups. One, the Jewish people. And two, this fledging group of people known as followers of the new way in Jesus. Okay? So Christianity hasn't become an official religion yet, but there were believers. There was the early church, and then those who, who continued in the faith afterwards. And, and they, he wanted to do everything to desecrate and to defile their memory, just like every people group, people group has tried to defile, desecrate, uh, and remove our name and our memory, which that cannot take place because God says he's given us a name and a memory that will never be wiped out. So Hadrian wanted to wipe out the memory of the, the this fledging Christian movement of mostly Jewish believers and then some Greeks and others that were added onto it, and the Jewish people. So he changes the name of Jerusalem. He changes it that's really under his own name, which means... Uh, this is my capital. It's no longer their capital. It's my capital, Alia Capitolina. And then he changes that area in Samaria and Judea, and he adds the name Felicia to it. He calls it Palestina Prima and Palestina Secunda. So primary Palestine and secondary Palestine. Ever since then, historians, archaeologists, academia, and Movements like uh, terrorist organizations will call it Palestine. That's not to say that we didn't recognize, okay, let's do everything we can do for peace. But if you're going to engage in violence against us, it's not going to ever work. And sadly, we've uh, made a lot of mistakes, uh, but I won't get into po- politics. But that, that is the risk and, and, and really earnestly trying to live with your neighbors in peace. Today, it cannot be tolerated, this kind of uh, of brutal behavior. You know, they're not even a nation. We're not not at war with a nation. We're at war with a terrorist organization. 
Now, uh, uh, 45 days ago already in Israel, it's the 45th day of the war, at 6.30 a.m., you've heard the news, you've seen some of the broadcasts, and I'll just reiterate that. We were at war. We experienced the most horrific assault uh, that we have ever experienced in 75 years, almost almost 76 years as a nation. Hamas-based terrorists who had been training, who had been preparing this project... Gaza. Gaza was, by the way, Gaza was, uh, the Gazans, the Palestinians of Gaza voted Hamas in to power. In 2005 and 2006, they take power. Okay, that was, we disengaged from Gaza. We occupied Gaza from 1967 to 2005. And we said enough is enough. We're going to engage in something called the disengagement plan from Gaza Strip, which was a horrific event in and of itself because we had to uproot 30 years of thriving Jewish existence in a land that does have biblical associations to us, allotments, biblical allotment. But we did it for the sake of peace, and what that became was Hamas land. That became uh, the land from which there would be the building of infrastructure and the kind of a well funded organization this terrorist organization is, Hamas. Mm-hmm. Hamas, known, is it, the very meaning of the name, is violence. We see Hamas in, in the Bible. And when we didn't do what we were supposed to do in the early stages of um, taking possession of the land, when we crossed over from the Jordan into the Promised Land, into, into Canaan, there were some people, groups, that we didn't wipe out. And that was to our disadvantage. God said, do this. And some of us uh, didn't and, and instead um, engaged in a sort of alliance, sort of business of the day. And they would do this and we would uh, be okay with them. And that was the wrong mis- that, That's why we see actually the name uh, at least twice in the, in the Bible, in Hebrew. And so this Hamas organization, which is a proxy of Iran, fully backed by Iran, well-trained. This is not the terrorists of the 60s and 70s and even 80s. These are terrorists who are well-equipped. Tactical gear, uh, weapons. Okay, their rocket systems are not very good, but they can do damage if we don't shoot them out of the sky using the Iron Dome. Uh, but they were trained well. And they attacked us, and we were sleeping. They attacked us, and we were unprepared. We had some preparation, but we were not prepared to the scale of which took place. And that was that we were assaulted. We were surprised. They came in with motorcycles, drones, uh, brand-new Toyota pickup trucks, uh, running, crazed, bloodthirsty, and they went into homes, and they killed men, women, and children. They killed kids on bicycles. They killed people at work, in their cars, on the street, at this large festival of Israelis, just a big music dance party, decimated, but not just killed. They were mutilated. But there are kids here, so I won't go beyond that. Okay, so if the kids here, it's not good. What you cannot even imagine with great joy, and it's recorded. It's like the ISIS, it's like the new ISIS. 
The ISIS used something that no other terrorist organization used in the past. They used videography. Now you can see information on the Internet of some of the recordings of what takes place. In fact, it's going to be used for evidence in the future. It's really horrific. So we come to a place where, like I mentioned this morning, that we're not only were humbled, but we were enraged, and we're enraged by, by anger, and we're enraged by loss and pain by grief. Now we're, we're burying people every day. More than 1,200 innocent people were brutally murdered, brutally killed. 240 at the time were taken into brutal Hamas captivity. Maybe we can put some of those images up there just of, of what the Gaza Strip looks like or maybe what the tunnels look like. They built an entire network of tunnels. That's where they live. You know, and I think in the day, you know, years ago, let's say they were 10 meters deep or 30 feet deep. Now it's like 200 feet deep. So this is, this is, this is billions of dollars that went into building Gaza subterranean for the sole purpose of military command and control, for uh, weapons, uh, for the future taking of hostages, for attacking Israel. That's what, that is only purpose. Instead of building Gaza for Gazans, they use, and it's not propaganda, and it's not uh, a party line, it is a fact that they use human beings, Gazans, yes, Palestinians, not all innocent, but they're not all necessarily Hamas operatives either. They're under a very ironclad rule, oppressive rule of Gaza, but we'll just leave it like that. They use UNRWA, the United Nations Relief Organization, for the, for the, the schools they, they have, Tunnels underneath the, 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 the schools, at a UN school where kids are studying, or youth weapons caches in, in a room where a youth group is once, once, uh, met. It's unheard of. Underneath, the, the, the hospital staff themselves, you know, they're all under the oppressive rule. They can't move without Hamas directing them, really. But how do you do that? A hospital, not just chief a hospital. There's other hospitals. So you can see what Gaza Strip look. This is just northern Gaza. This is the, the perimeter of the uh, area of the Shifa Hospital. So now you're just seeing a, a bird's eye view of the different uh, uh, command and control centers, underground complexes of, of, of where, where Hamas operatives, thousands, thousands of operatives, thousands of terrorists. This is, a, this is like an army that came out at us. So Israel has gone in slowly and surgically to remove uh, their defenses so we can get to the uh, subterranean, the tunnel systems where um, operatives are located and possibly the 239 uh, uh, hostages now that are there, including Americans, including other foreign nationals, and mostly Israelis and many Israeli soldiers, 30 children and babies and children under the age of 16, to, and I think the youngest is nine months old. Mm. Who does that? Yeah. Really, as you might have heard in the news, Holocaust survivors, that they went through hell on earth and survived it and then were 
dragged out in the most brutal way. It's, it's just incredible. So um, if, you, if you want to put another one up, you can, maybe of the tunnel. Uh, so we're there. there. There's the Israeli troops. Those Israeli troops looking at a tunnel. That looks like a very primitive, primitive tunnel, but the tunnels are, that's just, the, that's just the entry point. That's just the shaft that takes us down, and then it goes into a tunnel system that's lit, ventilated, with actual rooms, with high technology. Uh, so you can see some of that there. Uh, this is what Israel is on the offensive to do, and that's to really, uh, uh, number one, to release the hostages, and number two, to uh, destroy their infrastructure so they never, ever, ever again can, can do what they did on October 7th. And it will happen. It will take time. And, yes, there are, there are innocents that are involved in that. And Israel mentioned that from the very beginning. We're telling people, we're enabling people. There's, humani- there's a humanitarian road. There's zones that are humanitarian zones in, this, in South Gaza. Those who stay, you will likely be injured. Let the world know. You know, they let them know through their telecommunication systems and, and leaflets that the military have dropped and time and time again reiterating that leave. This is, this is on the loose side. It's on the Israeli side. You have Be'eri, you have uh, uh, Sufa, Khalid, uh, and other. That's just areas that are two kilometers. You have farming communities that are closer if that's two kilometers, you have, you have those that are even a, a kilometer away. Be'eri, Nachal'oz, these were the places, Derot, the city of Zderot, they were the ones that were uh, attacked initially. Um, so uh, it's, it's ongoing. Uh, Israel pretty much has, you know, control of... Uh, of the northern Gaza Strip, and uh, this is for sure. And in fact, there, there are some communities that are about three, four, five miles uh, to the west. They're saying that those communities can begin to return, but the war is not over. They're just saying what they're saying with that is that we've pretty much crushed their rocket system, their rocket launches. By the way, the rocket launches. Next to, next to, next to uh, hospitals, in the backyards of uh, homes, and, and things like that. Um, it, they really are using their own people as human shields, and they can probably they probably care less for them. They, they really don't. In fact, they're running with citizens sometimes to try to flee to Gaza Strip. And there's the other issue. Sometimes the terrorist operatives are not in their gear, that they're running as civilians. Because this is all recorded. I mean, it's broadcast daily. So the whole world sees it. So sometimes it's difficult to distinguish who that is. If they're leaving tunnels and they're finding their way and escaping, all they have to do is throw off their clothes, put on a T-shirt and jeans, and run with everybody else. It is likely that the head of the uh, Hamas, he might have escaped to South Gaza, Israel will be in South Gaza as well. Right now, the focus is northern Gaza. Maybe he is under the Shifa hospital. We don't know. Someone knows. Okay? But maybe he and Muhammad Def uh, uh, fled to southern Gaza. And it's not going to be 
impossible to find them as well. So our enemies are not going to succeed because of God. And um, Israel is quite motivated right now to, to get this job done. It is heart-wrenching to see the kind of people that uh, are, are, should be at home and celebrating birthdays and, and being hugged by their parents and going to school, and, uh, and they're not. And they're not. And, and uh, we need a miracle that, that the captives would be set free. We need a miracle. And that's what we're praying for. We're praying that God directs their every, that, 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 that our intelligence sources, uh, and whatever it takes to, um, uh, to release the captives. Um, and that's a very difficult topic. Because we're dealing with, um, really a demonic, evil people, organization, terrorist organization. It's okay to lie to engage in jihad, holy war, which can be anything from social work to striking Israel. It's okay to war if it meets the, you know, the, the goals of trying to eliminate Israel from planet Earth. So, uh, so they lie. If we're negotiating or not negotiating with liars, you know. A lot of disinformation out there right now. So let's look at just at some of the image from, from just on a, on, a, on a better note, <laughs> because this this uh, this war will end someday, and we will uh, see victory. Israel will prevail. We don't know, but we want to believe that the fate of the hostages will be a good fate. Uh, the northern area where Hezbollah is ac- active is is a far greater risk to Israel. She's uh, equipped with thousands, maybe upwards to 200,000, if not more, uh, uh, small, uh, uh, short and medium and, and some long-range uh, missiles that are guided, uh, well-trained guerrilla warfare uh, operatives, again, a proxy of Iran, and other elements, and also issues that we're dealing with terrorist cells in the, in the West Bank and Judea and Samaria. So we're on three fronts right now, not to mention what might develop towards our east, but all of them backed by Iran. So we'll just wanna, I just want to re, redo the video that we saw this morning because I stopped it in its tracks, and we'll just, it's just a three-minute video. And, and if anything, you get to see uh, what we're doing uh, in Jerusalem uh, that is really bringing life. And I mentioned this morning, and I mentioned also at the outset of the meeting, that your prayers and your support are not only bringing life, you're also saving lives. So uh, you'll see some of the soldiers that received some of the equipment that, uh, that you've purchased. So we'll do the Do Hope video. And 
And he said, this is the other hat I wear when I'm guiding in Israel. And, and that's that at Caesarea Philippi, where Paul visited more than once and he takes the gospel to the nations. And, uh, I felt from Caesarea to Asia Minor and Asia Major, and that's the place where uh, Peter uh, leads Cornelius to the Lord, the first non-Jewish uh, believer in Christ. Philip is there, that was their base of ministry, and Philip goes from there, and heading along a a road that leads towards the Gaza, actually, where he meets the Ethiopian eunuch. This is uh, our center in Jerusalem, at a community center, and this is our music room. This this young teenager, who's 18 years old, the girl in the right, is in the military right now. Amazing musician. She really found, she comes from a pretty rough backdrop and, and she just found life there just in, uh, discovering that she's a singer and songwriter and she could play like any any instrument that's amazing so uh, these are young people that we serve and events that take place at the community center weekly in fact daily so it's open from well it's open not open every day during the war but it's open every day except for Friday and Saturday that's the food kitchen. This is a community event. Uh, this is someone's birthday. <laughs> They're all Israeli kids. We really believe for a harvest. There's just something in the air. <laughs> about harvest worldwide, and I think I think uh, I think that's we're beginning to see that in a very genuine way in Israel. These are guys that got their uh, well, these are guys that got boots later, but they got helmets that you guys purchased. They got 24 hours before we finally got them there. Mm-hmm. Before they went, they went. These are officers that just finished their training. Um, nearly a hundred packs. Uh, they received thirty packs. We're waiting for the other uh, packs to arrive. And some of those guys were already fighting in Gaza. They just finished their officers training. Those are the guys in the in the crowd. They actually finished their officer training on the shores of Gaza. Uh, one of whom was injured badly. Another who lost uh, a relative in in uh, the initial attacks on October seventh. These are people at our community center. The soldiers in Jerusalem, going in and out of uh, Judea and Samaria, and you know dealing with terrorist cells there. You can see they're beautiful people. You know, these are guys that got special masks. They're artillery fighters that are working day and night, twenty four hours a day. Uh, and that like that that saves their lungs big time. There's the guys that got the helmets. This is their second rodeo, so to speak. <laughs> and they, the first was in 2014, and these guys are now like 28 and going in again fighting. This is a guy that happened to have a in, injured has an injured leg from the war and here he is with his dad you know, he's, one of, he's one of the guys that finished the officers course yeah. 
one of the success stories. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so we, um, I know it's late now, so um, you, you, I you think... You know a lot um, more about Israel than you did when you started. <laughs> <laughs> so I think what we'll do before Sandy closes with a really, really special song is just state the fact. Psalm 91 says, God is faithful and he will command his angels to be about Israel, to guard Israel in all its ways. May the Lord guard Israel. God Israel is going out and coming in this time forth and forevermore. And this is a prayer that I want to um, share. It's an amended version of an ancient prayer uh, for our soldiers. I mean, it was like ancient that was redone. He, he who blessed our forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, bless the Israeli defense forces, the Israel National Police, the Israel Security Agency, the intelligence community, the Mossad, and others who stand guard over our land, the volunteers, the first responders, the firefighters, the doctors, the nurses, physicians, technicians, paramedics that stand guard over our land and the cities of our God from the border of Lebanon to the desert of Egypt and from the Great Sea, the Mediterranean, until the approach of the south in the, in the Arava, on land, in the air, and on the sea. May God arise and let his enemies be scattered. May all the plans of the enemy be thwarted, made null and void. Let them know your redemption from evil. Let them know your redemption. May our enemies know your redemption and turn from their evil. Let them know that there is a God that they can turn to. Our God, the Holy One, the Mighty Blessed be he, Lord our God, rescue our men and women from every trouble and distress and from every plague, illness, or injury. May you guard their every step, that they wouldn't turn to the right or to the left unless it's directed by you. We pray that there would be no more loss of, of, uh, of our military men and women. Lord, in your mercy, send blessings and success in every endeavor and mission and operation. Lord, set our captives free. Rescue those 239 men, women, and children, elderly, kids, babies, soldiers. Release them. You are the God who sets the captives free. You can do it in a moment time. Just like you did with the early believers and the chains just fell off. And supernaturally, angels. Send angels, ministering angels, to the forces on the ground. Give us supernatural insight and wisdom for our government, for our troops, for our commanders to set our captives free. To deal with the, uh, the, the, the demonic and the evil of those operatives and those commanders of those operatives. Comfort all who mourn in Zion and bring her joy. Bring her beauty from ashes. Most of the, those killed on uh, October 7th, many of them were also burnt. That's why it's been so difficult 
to identify bodies. Bring them joy. Bring them comfort right now as they sleep. My children, my nephew who's serving in the military, my friends who are serving in the military, give them a light night of peace, a night of renewing their batteries, so to speak. Give them energy. Give them guidance. Give them hope. Reveal yourself to our people. Fear not, Israel. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. For it is the Lord your God who goes out with you to battle, to battle your enemies, to battle your enemies for you and to save you. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I think we can see already in this 45th day of battle that it is truly the Lord that is um, uh, leading us in battle, guiding us, helping us, undergirding us, seeing the outpouring of love uh, not just from within the, the nation, but the collaboration of believers around the world that are pouring prayers and support and standing with Israel in a day where it's almost like you're at personal risk, like it was during the times of the late 90, early and late 1930s and beyond. That we just want to thank you for that. I've never, I, I, there isn't a day that I wore this in Israel. I didn't have to. <laughs> you know? And, and, and I felt like I had to, uh, in these days, since October 7th. I've been wearing this. And, uh, why? Because it's a symbol of hope. It's a symbol of uh, courage. It's a symbol, the shield of David. It's, uh, it's a good symbol. The cross is a good symbol. We should never be ashamed of that. Never compromise it. <laughs> Sandy, okay. This is one of my favorite songs. Okay. So, Richard likes to say that, and this is so true, that we got, the world got a little darker on October 7th. We've seen a new evil that hasn't risen its head since really the Holocaust, but really this is middle-aged stuff, yeah. you know, and we're a lot more civilized than that today. Mm. But um, <laughs> back in 2016, the Lord had put on my heart to rewrite some verses. I actually did a hymn revival project and so my heart was really wrapped around the hymns and the depth of what the hymns are really saying, you know. And um, this one day I was just sitting at my piano, and the Lord just literally gave me these verses. So this is America the Beautiful. And uh, as you remember, yeah, 2016 was pretty dark. Um, but it just seems... I had actually forgotten about it. You know, surprisingly, it was written by a Jewish composer. Yeah. Well, Irving Berlin. Nope, this is, oh, you're thinking of America. Oh, I'm thinking of America. <laughs> God bless America. America. God bless America. Oh, that I thought was you were, Irving Berlin. I thought you were doing that no, 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 as well. Oh, no, no, no. well, well, God bless America. If you guys want to sing God bless America, do that too. We can do both. But I'm just going to share this with you. It's really more about um, how we've, take, we've taken our eyes um, as a country. We were founded on Judeo-Christian values. And we've taken our eyes off of that. And... Um, 
And that's, this is why we're failing, that, that the, the commandments come out of the schools. You know, there's a price to be paid when we call what is good evil. And there's a price that we pay when we give power to those people. Right. And we do that. I don't want to get political either. <laughs> but we do that by voting. We do that by, you know, doing our civil duty. And unfortunately, the church, and I'm not, I'm not saying you guys, but the church in general doesn't get out and vote. A lot of people get real spiritual about it, and they just say, you know what? God's going to do what God's going to do. Well, you know what? Actually, he put your hand on your, you know, <laughs> on the end of your arm so you could go and vote, you know, and he put, he put a mind in our, you know, in a, a brain in our head so that we can decipher and, and disseminate what's happening around us and so we can discern what's happening in the world. And so at this point in time, um, you know, I was just, so I just really, Lord, where can we go from here? You know, and so um, this is what happened. This is what happens a lot of times when you just go to the Lord. If you're a musician and you're listening, he'll just download things to you. So I just. By the way, if I'm ever going to run any off, you know, any off for any office, she's going to be on my team.
close this way. If everybody could just reach your hands out to the person that you're standing next to. If you're standing alone, you could just join somebody. And we're going to do uh, what's known as the uh, priestly benediction. And I'll, I'll say it in Hebrew, and then we can uh, mention, uh, say it in, in English. Yevarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha. Yeye Adonai panav alecha v'yikuneka. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you shalom, peace, and health, and prosperity, and hope, and inspiration, and light, and goodness all the days of your life, for all those who are standing here and and are connected to this house and for generations to come, in the name of Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus the Christ.